Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 13 and going through to verse 30. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't that Joseph's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this prophet to me, this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, Do hear in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of a hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Brian. Well, do um, keep that passage open because that's where we'll be spending most of our time this morning as we look at God's word together. But let's just pray, shall we, that as I speak, uh, God, the Holy Spirit, would be speaking to us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you that your son, Jesus, is the Christ. He's your son. He is the anointed one, the one who alone can pour out the Holy Spirit on people. So, Lord, we come to you this morning, Lord Jesus. Would you be our teacher? As you are alive and with us, would you speak to each and every one of us here this morning? Pray that you would help me to speak, trusting only in the power of your Holy Spirit, and help me and all of us to trust only in the power of your Holy Spirit, that he may be the one who brings light to our hearts. For we pray it for your glory, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, as many of you know, and it's great to have uh, the students with us this morning, we're seeking, as a fairly new church, to be a loving community. Love is really important to us. Our relationships are really important to us. We want to grow in Jesus Christ, both numerically and in our maturity in him. And the way that we seek to do this is by word and spirit. In other words, it's by the Bible and the Holy Spirit, because the two cannot really be separated. 
See, if we were to ask the question, what should be our priority as we gather as God's people if we are to hear God speak to us? What should any church prioritize if it is to be a place where the Holy Spirit is at work? And the short answer is where there is a commitment to the, prayer, the prayerful, depending on God, speaking and teaching and preaching of the Bible. This is the activity fundamentally of the Holy Spirit amongst God's people. And it's the activity which reaches us with the good news of Jesus. And of course, where do we see this? We see this first in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God. Uh, two points for you this morning. The first is the longer of the two, and it's this. Jesus Christ is full of the Holy Spirit. So listen and speak. And when I say listen and speak, I mean listen to the Holy Spirit and speak by the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is full of the Holy Spirit. So listen to the Holy Spirit and speak by the Holy Spirit. Well, last week we saw, didn't we, how uh, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God the Father spoke at his baptism saying, This is my beloved Son whom I love. Just flip over the page with me, uh, back to chapter 3, where we see this. See, Jesus was always eternally the Son of God, God the Son, God, the second member of the Trinity, fully God. But he began his ministry at his baptism, where he was publicly revealed through John the Baptist as the Son of God. When Jesus was baptized, in verse 21, as he was praying... Jesus was praying. Heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. God is pleased. God the Father is pleased with Jesus the Son because he is identifying with sinful people. That's what it means for him to be baptized. And at that moment, in response to Jesus' prayer, the Holy Spirit comes down and descends on him in bodily form like a dove. And as the one who is full of the Holy Spirit by both eternal identity, he always was the Son of God. Jesus has always been God. He was never out of communion with the Holy Spirit. Now he is particularly equipped by the Holy Spirit for his ministry. And so we saw last week how he, he went out into the, the wilderness, beginning of chapter 4, so back over the page, full of the Holy Spirit. And he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. And then he returns after passing the test that Adam didn't pass and the test that Israel didn't pass. And as full of the Holy Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit, chapter 4, verse 14, he returns to Galilee. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So what's he going to do? What is it going to look like when Jesus, who is the unique human being, full of the Holy Spirit, the unique Son of God who has always been in communion with the Holy What's he going to do? What does Luke want us to understand? Remember, Luke is trying to bring certainty to Theophilus, to, to Christians. He wants them to be secure and certain in their faith. What is Jesus going to do? Verse 15. He was teaching. He was teaching. 
teaching? How is that powerful? How is that spiritual? Well, you see, the Bible's perspective on teaching is that it is a spiritual activity. In 1 John, we read these words, Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. See, we think of teaching in a different way. We don't think of teaching as a spiritual thing, because often it isn't. Uh, Whether you're a student or a pupil at school, or I know we've got a number of teachers amongst us, Teachers will be thinking, well, how can I make this interesting to my pupils? And, and pupils or students will be thinking, how can they make it a little bit more interesting? Uh, and nevertheless, whatever our efforts, uh, someone has said that teaching is the process in which information goes from one book or computer now, I guess, to another book or computer without passing through the minds of either. See, our common belief about teaching is that it is conveying information from one mind to another mind. Just information, facts, figures that we maybe are examined on. But the teaching of the Bible is way more than that. It is the Spirit of God speaking to us. So when Jesus was full of the Spirit, without limit... And acting in the power of the Spirit, what does Luke record? He went round teaching. That's why Jesus, in the power of the Spirit, taught. What else did he do? Verse 15. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus went to church. This man, full of the Spirit, living in the power of the Spirit, went to the church of his day. Uh, I became a Christian my first week at university before term actually started. So uh, just before Freshers' Week, I came to know Jesus Christ as my Saviour and Lord. And I'd been to church occasionally before then, but before becoming a Christian, um, it was really boring. It was just deadly, deadly dull. I remember counting the bricks on the wall or, or counting the kneelers because it was that kind of church. But now, as soon as the Spirit had given me life, do you know what happened? I actually wanted to go to church. I was excited to go and hear God's Word. And I'm sure that's many of our experience. There's a difference between church being just information in our heads and a living relationship with the God who made us. Do we have that? If we have that, we will want to go to church. We'll want to be nourished and fed by the teaching of the Spirit, the Spirit of truth whom Jesus was teaching by. Now, I know this can be challenging, going to church, and you know, Many of us may have struggled to get up on Sunday morning or even Sunday afternoon. And Jesus, by his spirit, can enable us to want to go. It's not the same as dragging ourselves to lectures or to school or to work. The God who wants us to grow into Christ will be at work in us. So we need to keep in step with the spirit. But I know it's, it's very complex for some of us. Maybe our spouse is not a Christian. And we've got to juggle when we can go to church. Maybe our shift pattern means that attending church is really challenging. 
uh, talking to somebody a few weeks ago, they're, they're on a shift four Sundays out of five. That's going to make it tricky to get to church. Maybe we have mental health issues that mean people in a crowd is, is tough, but we can ask God by the Holy Spirit to be out working us so we want to go to church and in his wisdom he can enable us how to be strengthened and fed, to be listening to the Spirit as we're taught about Jesus, whether that's a discipleship group or a small group or reading the Bible one-to-one -one, or listening to sermons online or ideally being here or any church in Colchester where the Bible is preached faithfully. Why is this instructive? Well, if the man who was full of the Spirit saw even in his deity that he needed to be with God's people on the Sabbath day to hear the reading of the Scriptures, who are we if we think we don't need it? If the Son of God, as was his custom, every Sabbath to be there with God's people, to hear the reading of the Scriptures, and in this instance, yes, to speak, who are we if we think we don't need church? It's breathtaking arrogance, is it not? But then we see what Luke wants us to see in what Jesus did when he went to church, when he was there in the synagogue, as was his custom, he stood up to read. They would have handed him a scroll. And he knew his Bible because unrolling it, he found the place where it is written in Isaiah 61, verse 18. This is what Jesus read. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to do what? Why was Jesus anointed by the Spirit at his baptism? Why was the Spirit on him as no other human being in the form of a dove? Why? To proclaim. To proclaim good news to the poor. Now, it's helpful to know that to proclaim good news is one word in the original. Jesus was anointed by the Spirit to sort of good news. That's what he was there to do. That's why the Spirit had been given to him. The power of the Holy Spirit enables Jesus to speak from the Bible, Isaiah 61, good news. And Jesus is saying that this is fulfilled in this day. When he was reading Isaiah, that particular passage of the Bible was fulfilled in him because he was anointed by the Spirit to good news to the poor. What does that mean? Well, if we were to go back to Isaiah 61, and we, we don't have time this morning, but if we were to go back, we would see that the poor in Isaiah's day were those who believed in God and were obedient to him despite the way in which this meant that they were excluded from the power structures of Israel at that time because their leaders, their rulers were idolatrous and in various political alliances with Egypt and Assyria, they were no better than pagan idolaters shedding blood, being unfaithful. So when the Bible talks about the poor here, it means those who are godly and poor. That's who he's come for. But then if we were to, to look at the rest of Luke's gospel, we, we see that these poor are the humble. 
the humble in Israel and the humble of the rest of the world. It's what Mary celebrates in her song when she is informed by the angel that she will have a baby by virgin birth. This is what she says in chapter 1, verse 51. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. See, Jesus spoke words by the Spirit, spiritual words as we were thinking about a few weeks ago, that bring good news to the poor. And in the Bible, poor is those who are humble. It may be those who are economically poor, but it can include people like King David, who certainly wasn't poor. King David said, this poor man called. Well, he was never a poor man, but he was a humble man. So Jesus speaks good news to those who are humble enough to hear what he's saying, and they will receive wonderful news. Now, how do we apply this to our own lives? It, It means that The Spirit so worked in Jesus that he brought good news to humble people. And if we were to go on in the Bible, we'll see that the Holy Spirit is now poured out because Jesus has ascended to heaven. He is the Christ. He is the Anointed One. We've seen proof of that by his resurrection and ascension to heaven. And he's now poured out his Spirit on the church. And what does the Spirit enable? When he's poured out on the day of Pentecost, he enables all Christians to speak this good news to other people. Praise God, and uh, in lots of different languages, they're speaking the good news to others. So the application of this is that if we are interested in the Holy Spirit's ministry in us, and he is a person, he's not just a force, he is God and he dwells in all Christians because he's promised to dwell in all Christians, then we have the Holy Spirit to speak good news to speak to others. We're to listen to what Jesus teaches and we're to speak it to others. Which is why it's so good, isn't it, to have discipleship groups? Because they're not just about hearing me on a Sunday morning. It's about speaking how God is at work in your life to one another in midweek in discipleship groups or in, or in student group or on Christianity Explored or Hope It's Explored. Or these, these courses where we can hear what Jesus has said and says to us by his spirit and, and speak it to one another. I don't know what TV you're into. I, I find I'm running out of TV programs to watch because uh, there's not that many um, fishing programs. And uh, you know, Rugby World Cup is great, I enjoy that, but they only come around every, you know, so often. Uh, Mim and I have been watching um, Celebrity race across the world. Has anybody come across that? Yeah, anybody like that? Well, one of the participants is the drummer from the band McFly. I've no idea who they are. It's not my era. You know, I'm 80s music more. But anyway, the band McFly. And it was interesting to see a fan meet him on a train. She was clearly overjoyed. You know, here's, here's the drummer from McFly. And they're, you know, they, you know, selfie and just lots of excitement. She met her hero. People ask, don't they, where is God? How can I meet God? He seems so distant and unreachable. And the answer is, he might be living in the person sitting next to you. Because God has promised that when a person trusts in Jesus Christ, they are forgiven and they are given the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that dwelt in Jesus perfectly now dwells in us. He's the down payment 
He's the one who ensures that we get to heavenly glory if we've trusted in Jesus. He's the one who speaks through us to other people. So if we speak, it may be that the person sitting next to us hears the Holy Spirit bring good news to us, bring eternal life to us. That's better than meeting the drummer from McFly. It changes people's eternal destinies. See, when Peter talks about the gospel being proclaimed, it's the same original word in 1 Peter 1. He says that the good news has been proclaimed to you, good news to you. How? By the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So the Holy Spirit is in you, if you're a Christian here this morning. He can speak through you as you hear the teaching of Jesus Reflect and digest and believe it and speak that to others. And if you're not yet a Christian here this morning, you can hear in personal conversation this good news that has transformed the life of a friend. Because the same spirit who dwelt in Jesus now dwells in your friend. If you want to hear from Jesus, it's worth discussing and questioning and talking about the good news, but so often people don't want to. But why else has Jesus been anointed by the Holy Spirit? Look back with me at chapter 4, verse 18. So he's been anointed by the Spirit. He's, the, the Spirit of the Lord is on Jesus to proclaim good news to the poor, but, but why else? He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year or the time of the Lord's favor and the word here is the public authoritative declaration word for proclaim English hasn't got very many words for verbal communication but Greek has loads and this one is a bit like the town crier in the market square saying, hear ye, hear ye, the king proclaims. Well, it doesn't really happen anymore, does it? So I'm trying to think, well, what, what's the sort of most recent sort of parallel? So it might be, you know, when, when King Charles was crowned and then he, he made a speech or the prime minister when they're elected and then they go outside number 10 and there they are on the podium and the, the, they set out their plan. Doesn't always come to fruition, but anyway, they set out their plan. It's that public proclamation word. It's not a discussion. It's the king announcing his victory. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, setting the oppressed free, the year or the time of the Lord's grace. And that is why at Cornerstone we're unashamed of having a time together where the Bible is preached authoritatively, trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit, praying for God to speak. It's not a discussion. God is saying, this is what you must do to be saved. This is the time when you can be forgiven, when I can deal with you graciously. If you're in the prison of sin, which is reflected by all kinds of imprisonment, I can set you free. If you're blind to the things of God, I can bring you sight. If you are oppressed by Satan and the fear of death, I can free you through Jesus Christ. Will you not come to him? In fact, I command you to believe in him. 
If you don't believe in him, according to the Bible, we are disobedient to God. Now, what does this mean? Let, let's flesh this out a little bit. I told you that the first point is going to be longer than the second. You'll be pleased to know. But it means that preaching is central in church life. The preaching of the Bible. It's nothing special about me or other preachers. But Jesus, do you remember what he said at the end of Luke's gospel? When he explained to the disciples the whole plan of human history from Abraham on, you know, to the whole plan of salvation. This is what is written in the Old Testament. That Christ will suffer. That he will die and rise again on the third day. And then repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name. Same word, authoritative proclamation to all nations, to the whole world. This is for the whole world, for every nation and language and people. So as the Bible is preached, authoritatively, trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit, Scripture is being fulfilled today in this building as I or others proclaim Jesus Christ is full of the Holy Spirit. He taught. He went to church. He preached the Bible. So those who remain faithful to Jesus continue to do the same. We listen to what he teaches us. We listen to what God authoritatively preaches by the Holy Spirit from heaven. And then we speak and we pass it on to others. Is that what we're looking for in a church? I'm thinking particularly the students as they go on their student crawl. It's good to be reminded, isn't it? I need to be reminded because sometimes I stand up and think, well, who am I to stand up and speak without interruption? And I often get it wrong. And I'm very, very conscious of my own sinfulness, my own weakness. But the thing we honour is not me or any other preacher. It's the office. It's what Jesus has said will happen in his world. Did he die on the cross? Yes, he did. Did he rise again from the dead? Yes, he did. Has he ascended to heaven and poured out the Holy Spirit on his church? Yes, he has. So, the gospel will be authoritatively preached to all nations. The church, when it's healthy, has been a church of great sermons, of great preaching. Think of the revivals of the 18th century. Think of the preaching in Nigeria now. Think of preaching throughout the world. South Korea, where churches are thousands to do what? To listen to a sermon. And of course, you know, yeah, I, I know all the science about what we can concentrate on. God, God has chosen something weak and cruciform so that his power is clearly from him, not from the preacher. Jesus Christ is full of the Holy Spirit, so listen and speak. And then far more briefly, Jesus Christ was rejected and accepted, so be warned and encouraged. I, I don't know what background we've all come from. Obviously, I know some of our backgrounds. There are certain expectations in our family background, aren't there? We, we learn what our family expectations are. Oh, the, the village we grew up in, or the town, or you know, what was it like? Just think about that for a moment. Because when Jesus went home, what happened? Verse 22. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. So far, so good. 
it then all goes horribly wrong for them, doesn't it? Uh, isn't, isn't this Joseph's son? I mean, just, just the carpenter's son? What's, what's he doing? What's he doing preaching? Has our background, our family background, made us over-familiar with Jesus? Jesus is just a man, isn't he? church that I come from is, is, is just very human, full of human flaws. How can I believe in Jesus when this is what it produces? Overfamiliarity had blinded them to reality. Maybe you've grown up in a Christian home. Maybe Christianity seems so familiar to you, so human. You know from the inside that Christians are sinful, that churches are sometimes not great places, that Christian ha friends that you know have major flaws. Has familiarity blinded you to the reality of the Son of God? You see, they, they didn't know that he'd been born to a virgin, did they? He's Joseph's son, isn't he? No, he wasn't. He was born by the intervention of the Holy Spirit without a father. Joseph wasn't involved. But read the early chapters of Luke if you doubt that. See, maybe we've grown up with Jesus, we've, we've come from a Christian home, and we're over-familiar with it, and we think it's boring, and we're on the cusp of chucking it all in. Well, I just want you to ask yourself the question, could you have overlooked something? Could you have missed something, even over the last 18 years, of, or however many years of your life? Have you missed that Jesus Christ's origins are supernatural. And Jesus recognized that there's a lot of self-righteousness mixed in with what they're saying. And so he says in verse 23, surely you will quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself, and you'll tell me, do here in our hometown what you have heard that you did, or your hometown, what you did in Capernaum. You know, all the way down the road in Capernaum, all 10 miles away. Truly I tell you, verse 24, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to widow in Zarephath. I'm sure he didn't say it like that. Why did I say it like that? Well, because it was outside Israel. This is Philistine territory. This is in Sidon. Remember where the Sidonians were? On the coast, pagan Philistines. That's where God sent his prophet. And then when Elijah was, uh, sorry, Elisha, verse 27, he wasn't sent to any of the, the lepers in Israel. He was, it was only Naaman, the Syrian, the pagan military commander who was cleansed. What is Jesus saying? Don't think because you're, you're an insider, you've got it. Don't think just because you've grown up in a Christian home, you've got it yet. God welcomes in the outsiders, uh, the lepers, the blind, the Mary Magdalene's, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, all the outsiders. Luke's really interested in this. The Gentiles, all the people who shouldn't be able to understand, understand and get it. They're cleansed, they're forgiven, they're welcomed, they're given the Holy Spirit. 
and those who are insiders through their self-righteousness, when they hear this, how do they react? They're furious. They're furious. Verse 29, they got up, drove him out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. We've got to get rid of this Jesus. He must have it wrong. Now, we, we, we love to think that that could never be us, don't we? God is interested in welcoming those who are humble and poor and know they shouldn't be insiders because they're outsiders, because like me and us, we're all sinful people, are we not? We don't deserve the Holy Spirit. It's all by God's grace. It's all by his mercy and forgiveness to us. So if that's us, if we think, well, I'm an outsider, I, I can't get this Christianity lark, even though I've grown up in a Christian home, I don't get it, but Lord, please help me, please speak to me. Well, then we will listen to Jesus. We will be poor in spirit. We will become insiders if we go to Jesus and trust in him. But if we think that we're insiders and we've got it all taped and there's a lot of self-righteousness in us, well then when we see the outsiders coming in or the prophet of God saying, this is for everybody, it's for outsiders, those who've never had a Christian upbringing, who, whose lives are a mess, and they come in, well, we might just be those who are angry about it. But Jesus welcomes the outsiders. He's graciously welcoming in those who believe his teaching, who will listen to his voice, who will become places for the Holy Spirit to dwell. So let's just pray, shall we, as we close. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you so much that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was and is full of the Holy Spirit, that he's poured out your Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, so that he speaks through Jesus' teaching and the preaching that is from the Bible. Lord, thank you that... We don't have to search to hear the Holy Spirit. We can hear him whenever we open this book, whenever we talk about this book, whenever we hear this book explained and proclaimed. Lord, help us to listen. And please give us the humility to listen until we get it, until we know that we've been forgiven and that you've poured out your Spirit into our lives. And so send us out that we might speak that others may believe. We ask this for your glory's sake. Amen.